exciting news. Yes. It is launch week around these parts. So our Wayman Unlimited onboarding coaching program is now open for enrollment. If you are a digital creator who's looking to add more predictability, more profit, and more peace into your business, our Wayman Unlimited program is here to help you. Through our monthly onboarding coaching sessions, we'll remove the overwhelm of growing your business and give you specific marketing tactics to focus on each month so you can grow, but at a sustainable pace. Because we're all steady, about... Steady. Slow growth around here. We take a slow and steady approach to running a calm business so you can reach your business goals without sacrificing your well-being. By the way, also included in Wayman Unlimited is a lifetime account to our core software, Tea Tree, which is the most customizable and brandable course platform on the market. You also get access to a member favorite group accountability system we call Wayme of Stones. That's Please right. don't sue us, Game of Thrones. <laughs> where we blend fun and action taking together in our weekly Wayme Slack community through doing some accountability and sharing our goals, getting our tasks done every single week. That's right. If you are interested in joining Wayman Unlimited, head to wanderingaimfully.com slash join to learn more and get all the details. And just as a reminder, the doors will be open until March 26th. Hey, it is exciting times for us because this week our brand new program called Build Without Burnout Academy just went live and you can get it with our Wandering Aimfully membership. Yep. So this is our new cornerstone program. It's going to be the foundation of the Wandering Aimfully membership. And it's a six month program to help client based business owners. That's coaches, writers, freelancers, designers, all kinds of great people transition into selling digital products without burning out in the process. The early reviews are in. People are saying this. <laughs> This is amazing. They're saying it's the best thing <laughs> they've ever Stone taken. Rolling Stone Magazine calls it best I program of the year. I saw Time Magazine say something was great about something, and I'm just applying that to Build Without Burnout. Perfect. So if you guys believe those reviews, because obviously they're true, but if you also think that we're people who create things that you might like, go to join.wanderingaimfully.com, grab a Wandering Aimfully membership, and you get access to Build Without Burnout Academy. We'll be doing monthly calls. Very we'll be, excited about that. Uh, including you in our Slack community with a bunch of other creative people, and you get access to the vault, which is all our other stuff that we have. But Build Without Burnout, really excited. Go to join.wanderingaimfully.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Wandering Aimfully, the show. I'm one of your hosts, Caroline Zook. I'm the other host. I'm waving my hand. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see my awkward hand wave. And if you're just listening, then you can't see it. But it's my left hand, and it's shaking back and forth mm -hmm. in a waving motion. You get it. I think you get it. What's your name? It. You said I'm your other host, and then you went into your hand waving. That's what they're going to have to find out in the episode. <gasps> no, I'm Jason Zook. Oh, okay. Anyway, in this episode, we are talking about transitions in business and how to evolve your business, how to make a pivot, as they might say in the industry. What do you do if you're completely burned? out or you hate what you're currently doing, how the heck do you move into something else if you're completely paralyzed with fear? We have all of those answers for you. That's it. You talk, You touched on all the things we talked about. I so, feel like that's it. Like You don't even have to listen to the rest of the episode. You got it. You just you got it. Yeah. So we hope that you find this episode very helpful. Oh, they should keep listening. They should keep listening. Okay. Keep watching if you're on YouTube. And if you want to make a transition in your own business, hopefully we have some good advice for you. And we hope you enjoy the show. And maybe stick around to the end because there's some real silliness that went down the end of this one. Hashtag Thunderwear. Hey there, we're Jason and Caroline Zook, a husband and wife team who believes life is just one big experiment. This is the show where we share our journey as we figure out this ever-changing thing called life. We cover topics like running a business, traveling the world, and clawing our way out of debt, all with the hope of inspiring you to live, work, and create with more intention. Life might bring its twists and turns, but when you know who you are and what you want, you're never really lost. Welcome to Wandering Aimfully, the show. All right. 
Let's talk about business transitions. Set the timer for... Timer has been set. 25 minutes per use. Per the latest use. We go. If you're not watching on YouTube, then that doesn't make any sense to you. But (laughs) we uh, do have a timer we set on the table where we record. And it counts down. And it's cute. It's a little blue timer. It's so cute. It's got a little red thing that you can see. So cute. Cute. Uh, all right, what are we what are we doing here? What are we gonna venture into with these transitions? I think that this episode, one thing that we're both very passionate about, as you can probably tell through the brand name Wandering Aimfully, is that we like evolution. We mm-hmm. like evolution as people and we like evolution as businesses. And what that means is that we evolve our businesses as we grow, as we have different interests, we change and all of that. So what I want to talk about in this episode is times that we have transitioned our business from maybe like a different business model, for instance, Made Vibrant as a design studio when I stopped doing services, design services, and moved into a product business. Um, And other times in my business when I've maybe made a big shift. How have I done that? How have you done that? And what advice do we have to anybody who wants to make a transition in their business? Let's start by getting the elephant out of the room. Because he's currently in the room. We should probably Google that. The Where? elephant in the room. That's such a good one. Okay, we got to do that at the end of this one. Not this one, because you got to look it up. You got to find the right source. It takes too long. It doesn't. I have one already. Sorry. Wow. Way already. to keep the folks on, their on the toes. Hook. <laughs> Next week, elephant in the room. If we remember, we probably won't. Elephant in the room. An is elephant never forgets, though. Transition or evolution in business is scary. The sincerity that you were trying to deliver that. It's true. I didn't try. I did deliver. Mm, it is really scary. You want a second take? Ready? Here we go. Transitioning business scary. <laughs> <laughs> it is really scary when you now. Okay, let's talk about different reasons why you would maybe want to transition your business. Sure. Either A, what you're doing right now isn't working. Let's define that. You're not making the amount of money that you need to make in order to support your lifestyle. Or you don't like it. You're, exactly. You're burnt out all the time. The process isn't working well. You don't like it for any number of reasons. Yeah. And I this is I can definitely touch on this uh, later on. We'll talk about public speaking keyword coming okay. back. Um, it, you might want to change because you just personally, your values have changed. Yep, totally. You have different wants and needs and you don't want to continue doing something that doesn't feel good to you. Yep. We're in alignment with you. Those I would are probably say, the big ones. I would say another one is you've found a better way to do things. Right. That there's like a more... Efficient or... Uh, yeah, efficient, uh, scalable is a lot of different things. And that doesn't mean in like growing a business and with employees and things. It just means you could sell things easier to more people and deliver more value to them and deliver more dollars to your bank account. Hopefully. Or you just have a new interest. This goes with the personal evolution thing. Like I did when I wanted to transition Made Vibrant more to sort of an artistic route, mm-hmm. not just design services and things like that. But you have a personal interest and you have discovered something about yourself that you really want to express and that you want to live out on a daily basis. And so you want to steer your business in that direction. All right. Why don't you take the reins to this little buggy? Um, it's our authentic wagon that we... My, <laughs> my authentic, authentic wagon. Yeah, our children's wagon. that we're going to ride. Love throwback. Um, yeah. So I think the biggest one was probably for me when I started my, my personal business, Made Vibrant, back in 2014. I started it as a design studio doing essentially brand design for creative entrepreneurs. And that was a great way for me to start my kind of entrepreneurial career because as many people do, starting out in a service business makes sense because you can make money a lot faster just because the projects are bigger. You have a skill set. You have to find a lot like finding clients. You need a lot less people than selling a product. You don't yet have to have such a big audience. There are a lot of 
advantages to starting out in a service-based model, which I did. But it became very clear to me after about six months that dealing with clients was not a good fit for my personality Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, Namely, that I just care too much and that I was always, I couldn't turn it off. Like I always wanted to go above and beyond to deliver what I had promised for people. And that can be a great thing because you can deliver a great product, but it becomes dangerous when you can't shut it off. And when that anxiety just builds and builds and builds. And for me, it definitely did. And so about that time, I was learning about digital products, online courses, and I wanted to at least just alleviate some of the pressure to have as many clients as I had. So I wanted to dip my toe in the water of... I don't know the answer to this question. Is that because I had created a couple online courses that were working? Definitely. Oh, and okay. I cool. think I think you... I literally didn't know. I think as you were kind of discovering the online course thing, that we would talk about it, you would share about it, you would share resources. And so I was learning as well at the same time. And it just made sense to me. I was yeah, like, of well, course, I would want to do a lot of the work up front, create this thing, and then hopefully have sales come in. And it, it's a really natural progression, I think, for a lot of people listening to this. They may even be in a place that feels like, all right, I'm tired of having clients. I've made good money with clients. I even maybe have some good clients, but I just like I know so much and I I feel this burning desire inside of me to be able to help more people with this thing that I know, which is definitely where you ended up and mm-hmm. I watched happen. And if you do have some type of skill or some type of knowledge that you have acquired, then it is fun to disseminate that in in a way that more people can be reached. Yeah. And so I think that as I found online courses and even built an online course platform to help people do that in a much simpler way than what I saw at the time in 2014, um, it, it was really interesting to watch you have achieved different talents and different things and then to put them into an online course. And specifically, I mean, I think it was so interesting to watch the difference between your hand lettering for beginners course, which is a $20 hobbyist course to your better branding course, which was a around $300, learn how to create a brand, to create a website, to put, you know, your business, like, have it stand out from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching that evolution in your confidence between those mm-hmm. two, which was really kind of fun, even just that little business transition. Well, and I think, yeah, and I, and I definitely needed that, like, year or two of doing design work under my belt in order to feel like I had enough authority to teach somebody branding. I think this is a really good little side tangent is that sometimes people transition or evolve their business too quickly too soon without actually learning or knowing the thing. Yeah. And this is what our friend Paul Jarvis calls teaching secondhand knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so you don't actually have the experience. You've just read a couple blog posts or whatever, and you see there's an opportunity to make money with it. And so you jump on it but you haven't actually done that thing. And this drives us nuts. It is something that makes us just so just, it makes me angry because you don't actually know that thing. You haven't lived, eaten, breathed that that thing. Breathing. Breathing it either. And you're trying to position yourself as someone who is an authority on it, in which case it's very inauthentic. Mm -hmm. And it's very much you just trying to make money. And, And I get that there, because I think this is something that's interesting you can touch on and I'll tie this back in, is that at what point do you feel like you know enough? At what point do you feel like, you do have enough firsthand knowledge or experience that you are able to be that authentic authority in this thing. And for me, it's processes and frameworks. When I have done enough work- That are unique to you? Yes. Right. When I have done enough work that I have identified opportunities to and problems that, that I can solve for clients, so I develop my own 
like for lack of a better term, proprietary process or proprietary framework that I can lead clients through. And then I feel like I can teach that to other people because it's coming from an authentic place. And if it works. And if it works. And so for me, because a million people have created branding courses, right? And a million people there have resources online to teach you design and logo design, all this stuff. And for me, I, and this is my unique skill set as well. It's looking within yourself and going, what makes you unique from other people? I think my personal growth work, my like empathy radar, like all of those things, wanting to dive deeper to the heart of a person and their business and what drives them. And so I found that in my design work, I was, I was writing all of these questions. I was leading people through all these questions, not because I wanted to create some process, but but because I wanted to give them the most authentic brand. And that was my way of doing that. And so then I thought, oh, people are really responding to this homework that I'm giving them. And they're asking themselves questions about even the most like corporate of clients. I had like a a loyalty marketing company. They were like, these questions are so thoughtful and Mm -hmm. we really found value in them. They're making us think about our business in a way that we haven't in a really long time. So you listen to that and you pay attention to that and you go, okay. And it takes experimentation and it takes doing that over time and not going and searching for a bunch of blog posts of how other people do it, but actually just getting in the trenches and trying to solve problems for your clients so that then you can transition that into a product to teach other people. So for me, I know I've learned enough when I have my own proprietary processes and frameworks to lead people through. And then um, the second thing that I wanted to say is that I think one mistake that people make is maybe they're burnt out on client work or something and they know that they want to start moving towards a more product-based business, but they go like balls to the wall and they, and they totally consume themselves with that. And they think that just one day they're going to shut off their clients Mm -hmm. and that their product sales are going to pick up. And that it's just, you can basically like, I think of it like a riverbank, like they're on one side of the river. They want to be on the product side of the river and they think one day they're just going to make the jump. But you and I have talked about it's much more of like a stepping stone type thing where you're on the client side and maybe you can make a shift where you can suddenly you can start working on the next product and you can take on one less client or you can shut down your product or your client calendar for the next year and say, okay, I'm not going to take on anybody past this point so that you can free up some time. It's like a very slow shifting and rotating versus just like a 180 degree flip yeah it's also you could think about it too of like creating a bridge between the two and the bridge between the two of working with clients and then just selling products exclusively is typically going to be having an audience Mm -hmm. and so when you exactly when you have clients you don't really have an audience not many people who have a client-based business have an audience maybe you have a couple of clients who are your audience and i remember that back in my design studio days back in 2007 and and those people are great because they'll tell other people they're very happy it's it's a great place to start. And what you realize is that if you start building an audience based on what you know, and you start giving away a lot of the information that you have, and I think that is a natural way to transition from client to product-based business, is to give away 75 to 95% of the information you know. Because here's the thing, no one's going to consume all of that and then go, well, I got everything I needed. I don't need to talk to you anymore. Right. They're going to go, hey, do you have anything else that can help me maybe go a little bit faster? Right. In which case you go, mm-hmm. I actually do. I have these frameworks and processes that I use with my clients, and I can't have you go through them on a website because it's it just doesn't work that way. But I can put them in an online course. I can put a video next to them. I can have a, a transcript that it tells you what to do, maybe some downloadable things, whatever. Mm-hmm. And now all <laughs> of a sudden, you have this asset that works for you, but 
you still have to think about that bridge. And building that bridge is kind of an ongoing process. And again, it's just like you said, you can't just shift to that in one day. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that we've learned over the years is any of these transitions or evolutions become so much easier and the fears that go along with them become easier to deal with when you give yourself the permission to go, this transition could take six months. Yeah. This transition could take a year. Yeah. And I'm going to go slowly. I'm going to start writing articles about this. I'm going to create videos on YouTube. I'm going to make a podcast. I'm going to do things that can be a magnet to attract an audience that wants this content. And guess what? Then when they're there and they're going, hey, do you, can you give me more of this? Now I can give them something they can pay for that will help them do the thing they want to do. I think another really important point, <clears throat> excuse me, that's kind of hidden in what you just said is advice for people who want to make that transition, which is show, don't tell. Yeah. You can't just erase your web, your headline on your website and say, now I do this new thing. You have to show people that you do that new thing, not just tell. So another example that I give is um, a couple years into Made Vibrant when I was selling courses and that was doing well. But it was much more, I was sort of in this space of like creativity, personal growth, design in that arena. And I felt this personal calling to lean into becoming an artist more. And I had done the hand lettering stuff, but I really was struggling to call myself an artist. And I tell this story before of going on a trip and, and having this dream about painting. And I'd always wanted to be a painter, but I didn't know my style because I hadn't touched paints in years. And so I just thought, I really want to shift Made Vibrant to be an artistic brand. Like I want to lean into being an artist. And so I couldn't just like go on Made Vibrant, my website and be like, I'm an artist. I had to show up and do work in order to show people that this is a skill set that I'm cultivating. And so I committed to doing my yearly year long project of doing a different abstract art painting every day, sharing it on Instagram. And so by showing people that I was cultivating this skill, they started seeing me as an artist and seeing Made Vibrant as an artistic brand rather than me just showing up and being like, hey, guys, I'm an artist now, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's like that's good advice for somebody is like if you want to evolve your brand, if you want to shift your brand into a new direction, find things, experiments that you can do and challenges you can do to yourself and share that process and share that journey so that you can show and show people and not just tell them. I think any one of these transitions, especially in business, is so much about patience it's so much about experimentation uh -huh. and it's so much about being willing to fail is the very cliche thing to say, but being willing just to not do it right. Yeah. And and I think that going back to our authenticity episode a couple episodes ago, people are appreciative of the fact when you mess up and they're appreciative of the fact when you're trying something and it doesn't go well because it creates that moment where they go, oh, this person is like me. And you know what? I want to learn from people who are like me. And I think so many of us like I have zero interest in learning from quote unquote high up on pedestal experts. I no don't interest. want I can't relate to it's those not people. Real. I like it's manufactured. My perfect example of this, I love the idea of the masterclass thing and like the experts that are on there. I will never take one of those classes because I don't relate to Oprah. I don't relate to Robert De Niro. I don't I don't relate to any of these people. But I am interested in reading blog posts from people who are running businesses like I am, who have other interests that they're now getting into or they're teaching other things. Mm -hmm. I will always be interested in that content because I feel like I can relate to it. And I know that that's not everybody, yeah. that, but that I think is the majority of mm -hmm. us who want to learn from people that we are like and, and to trust and to feel like, oh, it's not going to be perfect all the time. And that makes me feel better about myself. Well, totally. I want to learn from people who don't make me feel bad. Right. So we've talked about this a lot is you go to these so-called experts that promise you the moon of like how to turn your business into how a How much is the moon worth? A lot. It's a, it's a they lot. They promise you a lot. Yeah. And 
you get into these programs, like you've even been very candid about talking about your very first program that you took of how to do an online course. This was back when you were trying to f- get your footing after I wear your shirt. And it was promises of like six figure launches yep. and stuff. And your first launch, you made $5,000, which is a great amount of money to make uh, for a digital product. And you th- and you were like, what, what did I do wrong? But based on my the expectations that I had for what I bought into, I then felt bad about myself. You were like, what did I do wrong? Right. How did I not follow I'm, this formula? I'm not good at this. Yep. I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. And so my point there is like, don't we want to learn from people who don't make us feel bad about ourselves? Yeah. Like, don't we want people who are willing to admit that it's not a straight path to a very clearly defined goal, that it is a wandering path, but that you can have, you know, a, a goal in mind. You can wander aimfully. Um, that's who I want to learn from, right. you know? And another thing that this reminds me of is I'll never forget. Um, I can't remember her name exactly, but we did a speaking or you did a speaking engagement um, in West Palm like years and years ago during the I Wear Shirt days. And she came up to me and she was asking for advice just because I had kind of started Made Vibrant at the time. And she, or I wear your shirt at the time, not Made Vibrant, but she was asking about, she was like, well, I feel like all my friends and all the people that see what I'm doing online, they think I'm flaky because I like change my mind every six months mm. and I'm evolving. And and I was like, never feel bad for figuring things out. Never feel bad for changing your business because there these people out there that want you to believe that you can find the one thing that you're good at and that you can do that for 20 years and that you can like, it just doesn't happen also, for most who, of us. Yeah, like who wants to be the one thing? Exactly. Who stays static for 20 right. years? Like maybe there are people out there who are just so obsessed with that one thing. But for most of us, we're, as Marie Forleo calls it, multi-passionate. We have different things. We have different interests and they change over time. And so the advice that I gave to her was like, do not stay in something that you don't like or keep your business in a thing that isn't working for you because you're afraid of looking flaky. Yeah. If you set your business on a foundation of authenticity from the very beginning. Every time you evolve, you're only building trust with your audience because you're showing them what it looks like to change and evolve and that you're a real person. I think one of the the areas of, of evolving a business that is interesting to me too for this topic is what if you want to go in a completely drastic or different direction? Mm-hmm. So for me, I think about my public speaking kind mm-hmm. of career, if you will, that lasted four or five years, but really almost full time. It was a two year gig for me. And I was getting paid on average $5,000 a gig, which is great money. It's mm-hmm. fantastic money. It's not like I'm the best paid speaker ever money, obviously, but it was good. And, and the problem for me is that as good as that was going and as well as that was working, I really didn't get any personal value from it. Mm-hmm. Like I used to get up on stage and it would be so much fun and I would really enjoy it. And then it just started to not be that much fun. And I started to feel like I was just going through the motions. And even if I changed up the topic a little bit or whatever, or tried to make it interesting for myself, even afterwards, I'm like, I don't want to be in this city wherever I am. I don't want to be in this hotel that's very mediocre. I just want to be home. I want to be creating things and thinking about things. And I remember being really apprehensive and nervous about, and not maybe not super nervous because I don't get super nervous, but I had nervous thoughts for you know one of, one of those few times. You heard it here first. Nervous thoughts. But about y'all. going... It's not that I want to just like change how I do public speaking. I don't want to do public speaking at all. I want to do something completely different, but I was making good money and it was providing for our household. And what was I supposed to do? How was I supposed to make that? What did you do? I think I just gave myself the permission finally to go. This, this just has to change. And also I think it goes back to our conversation about dipping your toes in the water and not fully 360 shifting your business. As I started dabbling in other things mm-hmm. and I started just trying other things. And what happens is that when those other things start to work a little bit, 
guess what? They need more of your time. Right. And when they take up more of your time, you have less time for the thing that was going on before that. And so for me, I just started to find that creating online courses, creating software products, um, you know, doing those things, even helping like doing some consulting and, and coaching calls with people that started to fill up more of my time. And so my calendar was not, oh, I have all this time that I could go do speaking gigs. Let me fill that. Mm -hmm. It was, oh, I have some time that's being taken up by this other thing. I need to take that time from somewhere else that already exists and, and transition. So I have a good question. Do you think it's a good question because you thought of it or because it's actually a good question? I think both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what would you say to somebody who hears that and goes, okay, I know that I need to get something else kind of started and it, it kind of poker in the fire, whatever people say. Um, you need to poke her before, in the fire. <laughs> you need to poke her in, in the, the fire. fire before I make some big transition. But right now, the reason that I need to make the transition is that I'm burning out because I'm running around doing client work and whatever. And I can't get this product thing going. Maybe that's the transition you want to make. I can't get this pro product thing going because I don't have time. What would you say to that person? I think it just comes down to... It's a good question. Yeah. What are you willing to give up to get where you want to go? Uh-huh. And so... The way that you make a transition, the way that you do anything you want to do is you have to sacrifice something else mm -hmm. that already exists. And and that is going to be something intentional. It's going to be setting up blocks of time on your calendar. It's going to be um, it, telling your friends and family that you're maybe moving in a different direction or the people that you work with because they you also need the support from people around you. Because if you just make a transition, it can be very knee-jerk reaction from, from people and then you don't get the support you need. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think the other thing is that you just have to start as small as possible mm -hmm. and be okay with the fact that, just like we've said multiple times now, you can't just 360 pivot and expect that it's going to work. Totally, because I sort of set you up for that. You knew, you knew what your own a, answer was. I had an answer. Yeah, it's okay. And my answer was a little bit of what you touched on, which goes back to our constraints episode, mm -hmm. which is I really think that if you think you don't have time, I think you have to set some type of constraint for yourself to at least start small and start working on it. So if that's, I'm going to take Friday afternoons off to not do client work, and just for two or three hours, I'm going to work solely on this transition that I'm trying to make, get something going. So I think that's one thing, because I think we all, if we admit it to ourselves, can be better about constraining our time. And that's the only way you make more time, because what's the law? Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law says if you give yourself X amount of time to work on something, you will t fill up the entire container of that time. The second that you start to constrain it, it is like you create more time because you're going to be able to complete a task within that container. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is I think you have to make some sort of commitment to yourself. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in the back of their head, they've thought, I want to start doing products or whatever, but they what they know how to do is client work. What they know how to do is what they're doing currently. And so there's a little bit of that fear or hesitation to just go all in and say, I am going to make this shift, even if you just say it to yourself. But by deciding that that's something you want to do and setting a deadline to it to say, hey, by you know, six months from now, I want to have at least had my first product created and be making, you know, X amount of dollars with that. Setting those type of real tangible goals. Again, it's sort of it constraints in a different way. It's like giving yourself a container to work within mm -hmm. so that you can actually work towards a goal. One of the other things that can be really important in, in evolving and transition is giving yourself the permission that it may not work and that you may need to then evolve and transition again. Absolutely. And I, I think that's scary for a lot of people. It is. But I will tell you, I think we've talked about my fear metaphor in a previous episode where it's like when you're starting something new or doing anything new, fear sits next to you in this car. And it's a two-seat smart car, smart car. And it's right next to you and it's just yelling in your face. And you can't get away from it. It's that dominating in your life. 
But the more that you do things, the more that you try to evolve, the more that you try to transition, the more that you dip your toes in the waters, you do something, maybe it doesn't work, you move to something else, your car gets a little bit stretched longer and you get a back seat and then the fear moves in the back seat. And then you have a stretched limo and he moves to the limo part. Then you have this like 48 seat bus and he's like all the way in the back and you can't even hear him anymore. Yep. And I think that's where we've gotten to is that it's not that the fear is not there. It's that it doesn't grab our attention and strangle us from being able to move forward. And that's mostly because we've experimented so many times and we've experienced the outcome of those experience, uh, experiments so many times that the fear the fear isn't as scary because we have real data to pull from. So mm -hmm. I talk about this in confidence all the time. Like the fear comes from the uncertainty. What's that outcome going to feel like? What's it going to feel like to fail? What's What are people going to think, et cetera? When you fail and you actually experience it, you're like, that wasn't that bad or that mm -hmm. was that bad, but I did it and I survived it. And so we have all these real experiences to draw from so that fear isn't quite as overwhelming anymore. And that, my friends, is a good place to wrap up and do our own little transition mid-episode into... Oh, I forgot to turn the sound on. Did oh. it turn off? No, I think it's going to be... Because uh, I could see it out of the corner of my you eye. You could? Yeah, that it was like really close. So I think we're... I got a knack. You know I Guys, got a, a knack for this. it's his superpower. It's a crappy superpower. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. It's a superpower. Your superpower is explaining Wugug to feed. I know what my superpower is. Sleeping. Well, it is. But Anywhere. also explaining Wugug to Except for planes. Go ahead. What? Explain Wugug to feed. Now said it like seven times. <laughs> for those of you who are just tuning in and have are joining us for the first time, this is a segment we like to call Wugug to feed, a.k.a. we Googled that for you. Do you remember when this acronym was first created and you were like, that's nah, not going to catch on. And now everyone loves it. Story of our lives. I get so I'm many. I'm like, Jason, that's stupid. And then three years later, I'm quoting it. I get so many letters in the mail of people that love Wugug to feed. It's so much fan mail. I can't. My, my, mailbox, fan mail. my mailbox is overflowing. Did you say how I just didn't even know what to say to that? Because I was like, yeah. this, you don't. That's a lie. What is this one? This one is one of our more normal ones where it's a, a phrase or a thing. This was actually brought to us by Cade Dworkin. Cade. Thank you, Cade, for this wandering uh, Aimfully member. I Cade. also didn't totally finish the like what the segment is. So Jason now basically. Well, you, you'll come back around. Will I? Um, <laughs> brings to the table something that is like a little a fun fact, a tidbit of a nugget of a little gem. gem. A little nugget of a gem. And it's something, and then we Google it for you and we tell you what the answer to that thing is so that you can share it with your friends and your but family. But we also get the other pets. person, and now it's predominantly Caroline, to Guess. make up what the origin and of that is. I'm the worst person to do that. But All yeah. right, Caroline, this week Soldier we Googled, on. for the lovely people listening, Yes. where does the expression, open a can of worms, come from? Like, oh, thank you, Kay Dworkin, for open this. Open a can of worms. Oh, let's. We're, this is going to open a can of worms. Where does it come from? Back in the day. Okay. The bakery days. Is the bakery days? It's, <laughs> I'm going to give you a hint. It's not that far back. Not all the way back to the bakery days. No. Okay. The which is the Crusades, by the way. It's the fishing days, which is a different time period. Uh huh. Dark, dark time. Uh huh. Back in the fishing days. Yeah. Fishermen. Uh huh. Would open a can of worms. Yeah. To use as bait. Right. To. Because they're fishing. Because they're fishing. Right. To get fish. And when they would do that, the worms would crawl out. Right. And it would make a mess. Okay. And so that's where that comes from. That's. No. Pretty good. No. Pretty good. No. The exact origin of the phrase is not completely known. This is from <laughs> Wikipedia, by the way. But general consensus traces it back to the 1950s. The fishing in the US. days. With literal cans of worms. 
Fishermen used to buy sealed metal cans of earthworms as opposed to plastic containers or styrofoam cups. After arriving at their fishing spot, it was very dark at the time. They didn't say that. Because it's that the fishing days. They would set the metal can down and open it. What was inside was alive, and if the top was left open for too long or the can was tipped over, well, Mess. your biggest problem would no longer be catching fish. It would be catching your worms that are wriggling away. I nailed it. You really did. This, so we talked about this very early on when Wagutfi was brought to uh, this show. That I should get a treat. That, yeah. <laughs> mm, okay. I kind of wish we had a little jar and I could like pull the jar I got it that, right. I want a treat. Here's one for Caroline. Uh, that you were going to get it eventually. You were going to nail it. You're going to get it. I'm going to get it. But you did. Yeah, that's But I did get it. You got it. Congratulations. You all right? Yeah, that's enough of that. I feel... So great. Do you feel like the rest of the day is just yours to take? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like you're you should send us off. That's your treat. Go ahead. Guys, thank you. Thank you for being here to witness this magical day. It's a momentous day. In which I completely pulled that answer out of my butt. Mm-hmm. My butt. Yeah. And it was correct. Was it pulled out of your thunderwear? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Jason and I are starting a business called Thunderwear. Yeah. Do you have a thunderous butt? Then <laughs> you need thunderwear. <laughs> and then with the tag on it, just thunderbutts go. Uh, Who are we? Uh, so I'm just, so glad we brought that to this episode because it was a really random thing that happened. If you want us to start thunderbutts, thunderwear, 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 <laughs> not thunderbutts. Was, <laughs> We're not I, starting thunderbutts. I literally almost said thunderbutts are us. <laughs> I love where Hashtag this one's thunderbutts ending. Thunderbutts are us. Um, uh, if well, someone, let us know. If someone maybe like halfway through this episode was just like, Thunderwear. I don't know if I'm going to finish this one. And then they got to this point and they go, wow, I almost turned that off, but I would have missed Thunderbutts and Thunderwear. Wait. What? I'm having an epiphany. What do you got? Didn't you get Thunderwear from Armchair Expert? Oh, I don't think so. I think so. What episode? I think it was the episode with... I haven't Who's listened. Who's the writer? Remember he and the writer... I think thunder. I think Dax came up with thunderwear. Really? Yeah, and you know he hates it when people steal his stuff. <laughs> I mean, he can have credit for it. No, Maybe I, I heard it. I think it was the episode where they talked about. Um, but I mean, D's knots. Remember his yacht that he wants to his boat. That I've he wants heard to him talk about that, knots. but I don't remember the. All right, first we got to we got to fact check this. Oh boy. Anyway, it's I, a funny idea. I'll, I'll go back to the episode and see. If we just totally ripped Thunderwear off. Maybe we did. We apologize if we did. But if we but didn't, we're gonna beat him to you the guys punch. heard it We're going to make that company. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wandering Gameplay, the show. It is a nonsensical show where we explore all kinds of weird things. And we hope that you enjoy it. We like you very much. Okay. Bye. Bye.